0: James chapter 1, James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and I'm going to pick up verse 19, I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter, James 1 verse 19, wherefore my beloved brethren, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but receiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain." Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The title of the message tonight is The Keys to Successful Relationships. The Keys to Successful Relationships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. And we understand that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness or godlikeness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I pray tonight as we look into this passage of scripture that we allow you to again call us, draw us to a life of glory and virtue. Through the presence of your precious Holy Spirit, who empowers us and gives us victory over sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I just pray that you'd be glorified, have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the modern methods of the world, that is, of entering relationships, for example, a marriage relationship, is to manipulate or bait and catch You know, women use their bodies to attract men. If you don't believe that, just look at the way they dress. And men use a macho physique or a domineering and cocky attitudes, he's in charge kind of thing, or vain gifts to attract women. That's what a lot of what happens. The problem with all this is that it all fades when real life comes along. And it brings disappointment, anger, resentment, which is why divorce rates are so high. No, relationships must be established on righteousness. And James gives us some keys to successful relationships. And this is true even in our relationship with God. Your relationship with other people, by the way, will reflect your relationship with God. And so tonight, as we consider this passage, you know, of course, we're, this follows up. It starts with a wherefore in verse 19, and that's a, that's a conjunction. It reminds us, keep in mind what we just looked at, and the preceding verses have to do with God does not tempt us to do evil, and God is good, and every good gift and every perfect gift comes from Him. And there's no variableness Not a a shadow of turning, no changing in God. He's always good. And it's of his own will. I mean, it's his natural. It's natural for God to give of himself. It's not natural for you and I to give of ourselves. It's not human nature. It has to be trained into us. And so, considering all this, wherefore, my beloved brethren, to establish... Good relationships requires several things. First of all, a hearing heart. Verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Of course, the word swift means quick or speedy. And it's not hard to understand what swift means. But to hear here means to attend to, use the faculty of hearing, considering what is or has been said. It's to understand or perceive the sense of what is said. So we're not just talking about, well, yeah, I heard what you said. But it went through one ear and out the other. I'm not talking about that kind of hearing. No, we're talking about we have heard and we're reasoning it out in our minds and trying to discern or understand the sense or what you mean by this. That's how we're to listen to God. That's how we're to hear his word. Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise man will hear, but doesn't stop with just hearing, and will increase learning. In other words, he's going to perceive or try and discern what is meant by what has been said. He's going to hear, and he's going to uh, try to understand and consider what is being said to perceive the sense of it or the understanding of it. So a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding, that's the idea of real hearing, will, shall attain unto wise counsels. I read an interesting quote today, and it goes like this, quote, Those who differ with me have caused me to learn more than those who have agreed with me on everything, unquote. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that's true. There have been a lot of people that have challenged me or try and coerced me into giving up my what I believe the Bible teaches. You know what it did? It made me dig and search and study to confirm what I had been taught and what I believe from the scriptures. And it, What it really does, you know, for the most part, now, now there are some that have challenged me and it caused me to, you know, it caused me to examine my own, my own beliefs, and a wise man would do this, when it, to, to examine my own beliefs and prove or disprove the truth that I have hold to. You know, there have been some that have challenged me about certain things, and it, and it caused me to examine further what I believe, and it proved further, or firm, more firmly, what I believe there have been others who have challenged me on things and I began to search and, and, and study and I've come to a conclusion that I was wrong you know a wise person is not too proud to hear another's viewpoint and then examine his own and prove it or disprove it according to the scriptures You know, Matthew chapter eleven, verse fifteen. Matthew thirteen nine. One of the things that Jesus often a phrase Jesus often used was something like this. The wording is very similar in many places. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When addressing the churches, the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation, again to every church he said, He that hath an ears, let him hear. And so a hearing heart speaks of a humble and meek spirit, one who's willing to listen. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6, in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, in Matthew 5, in verses 3 through 6, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You understand what he's saying? He's blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, the humble in spirit. Theirs is. In other words, they're going to receive the truth. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we know that entrance into the kingdom of heaven is by the new birth, according to the scriptures. And so, a wise person speaks of one who's humble and meek and will receive the truth. They have an open heart, a willingness to hear, and to understand the truth and accept it even if it hurts. The psalmist said in Psalm 15, and I think it's also in Psalm 25, talking about the man that's blessed, he will swear to his own hurt and changeth. Not. Um, That's actually Psalm 24. It says... uh, Psalm 15. Uh, Verse uh, 4. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord... He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. So a hearing ear, a hearing heart is one who, who listens and considers what is being said to understand or perceive the sense or the meaning. You know, Mary was one who was always hearing. She would sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. Why? She wanted to understand. And She understood. That's why she anointed him. Anointed his feet. She anointed him for his burial. She understood he was going to die. She also understood he was going to be raised from from the dead. See, see, if we're going to have uh, a key to successful relationships with God and with people is a hearing heart. We have to be willing to listen. Second thing is a carefulness in speech. If you notice again in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. The word slow is an interesting word. It means dull, inactive, in mind, stupid. In other words, kind of like you're deaf and dumb, you know, kind of thing. Uh, slow to apprehend or believe. So, so he, he's saying we need to be slow to speak, slow to speak. I've often said, you know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we talk. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about our speech or our tongue, as it may refer to it. Proverbs 18:21 says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof." You're going to eat the fruit of that tongue of yours. You're going to reap the consequences of what you say. Proverbs 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, your words reveal what's in your heart. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Matthew chapter 4, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12, and, and, and verses 34 through 37, the Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak you know, the, he's, he's addressing here the Pharisees who had just just credited his healings to the devil. And he said, you know, ye being evil, how can ye being evil speak goods? Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. You know, your, your speech is just revealing what's in your heart. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words Thou shalt be condemned. Proverbs, you might want to keep your place finger in Proverbs or put a mark there, but we're going to be in Proverbs a lot. Proverbs chapter ten, and verses thirty-one and thirty-two says this: "The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out." The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of wicked speaked, speaketh frowardness. You know, the word froward means to be willfully determined or disposed to go against what the Lord has said. And the Bible says here, you know, that we, we have an illustration. Uh, it's, it's, it's supposed to go counter to what is expected or desired, to go contrary to, to, the, to the truth. Uh, it speaks of being cantankerous. You know, Balaam was considered perverse. God said his way was perverse. You know, he was determined to go against what the Lord said. He he wanted that money. And he was determined to find a way to to get that money, that that prize. And you know what the Lord did? He set out to cut him off. Think about it. He set out to cut him off. If you have a perverse tongue, it's going to cut you out people will avoid you and cut you out of their life. This is going to bring hardship and, and trouble in your life. Uh, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. And verse 23 says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season how good it is. Here's the opposite. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, A man can have joy by the answer of his mouth, and if his word is in season or is fitting for the occasion, how good it is. How good it is. It can bring joy. It can bring good. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed on the day, day of redemption, that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, the, proverb, the psalmist said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and keep the door of my lips. Uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty three says, Whoso keepeth his mouth keepeth, and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. And Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You know, a fool just runs his mouth. He just says whatever he wants. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't seek to understand others. He just rambles. You know, a wise person gives others the benefit of the doubt. Seeks to understand. But a fool just runs his mind, runs his mouth. I remember we were sitting in a pastor's prayer breakfast in Pennsylvania years ago. And I was sitting beside a guy that's a trip, I mean. Anyway, and there was a lot of joking going around as they're offering these preachers things. And the guy across the table, he's just sitting there quietly. Jack Park with the lord now he was just sitting there quietly and one of the guys next to me said jack I said you're not saying much you're awful quiet and jack just kind of smiled and he said well he said uh um uh, i can open my mouth and and let you i can open my mouth and and i don't know wait a minute i'm trying to remember how i said that i can i can keep quiet and let you think I'm a fool, or I can open my mouth and remove all doubt. You know, the fool just runs his, runs his mouth. And that's what this verse teaches here. Fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in to afterward. You know, we need to be careful in our speech. We're going to give an account for our words. And our words can be as wounds. You know, there was an old saying when I was a kid, You maybe you used this when you were a kid too, you know, heard this, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, words can hurt more than sticks and stones. So we need to be careful. There needs to be a carefulness in our speech. Third thing, a forsaking of anger or wrath. Verse 19 through 21. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Again, remember that word means the same thing here, dull, inactive, slow. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible gives here as a description of the wrath of man. If you notice in verse 20 and 21, it says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, Wherefore, laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your (coughs) souls. The word wrath means, it's defined as the natural disposition, temper, character, movement, or agitation of soul, impulse, any violent emotion. Any violent emotion. It's, a na- it's of the natural disposition. In other words, it's, it's of human nature. To be angry or to have wrath. That's human nature. It's described as filthiness. Filthiness here means wickedness as moral defilement. It'll defile you. I want to define these words here, superfluity of naughtiness. The word superfluity means an abundant residue of wickedness remaining over in the Christian from his state prior to conversion. In other words, this is a carryover from your understate state. It's something you have not repented of. That's the idea here. You know, Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Aboundeth in transgression. Naughtiness. The word naughtiness, again in verse 21, means badness, deprav- depravity, malignant, trouble, evil, malicious. You know, malicious is described as disposed to cause harm, suffering, or distress. Ill will. By the way, anger causes all those things. It was the angry of, his, of, of, of Cain that led him to kill Abel. And the anger of Joseph's brothers that sold him into slavery. Naughtiness. Means that, I'm sorry, naughtiness means badness. Uh, what did I say it was? Naughtiness means badness, depravity, and of course malicious. You know, you know, you know, naughtiness sounds childish, doesn't it? We say, you know, he's a naughty little boy. You know what? It is childish. It's just giving into your natural emotions. It's childish. It's what it is is uncontrolled emotion. Your know, malice is ill will. Desire to injure wickedness that is not a shame to break laws. The Bible has much to say about wrath or man's wrath. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame proverbs fourteen twenty nine he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly you know, if' you 're if you're quick to ha- to anger you 're going to do a lot of foolish things Someone said quote, Good men are reasonable when a man ceases to be reasonable, he ceases to be good unquote. Another said quote, the one mar- the marks of a gentleman is his refusal. To make an issue out of every difference of opinion, you know, some can be so cantankerous that you know he could order a, a fried and a scrambled egg, and when it's put on the plate, he would say, "You scrambled the wrong one." I mean, they're constantly finding fault. You know, what did Solomon ask for when he asked, when the Lord said, I'll give you what, you ask what you want, I'll give it to you. And he asked this thing of the Lord. He asked for an understanding heart. In other words, so I'll hear and perceive. You know, what goes with that is slow to speak and slow to wrath. He wouldn't jump, he didn't want to be one that jumped to conclusions That run his mouth before he heard. You know, Proverbs again. Proverbs nineteen nineteen: A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, ye must do it again. Somebody has said, "Quote: I have a bad temper, but it's over in a minute." So is a shotgun blast, but destroys everything to pieces in its path. Proverbs 21, 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. What anger is, is a product of pride. And what we're dealing with, you know, the word, the interesting thing is, it says, who dealeth in proud wrath. The picture here, the word dealeth, is a picture here of a mean, angry taskmaster that produces things by angry lording over his subjects like the Egyptian taskmasters. They were mean and angry. Contrast that with Boaz. Boaz was a godly man. He came into his fields, and he greeted his workers. The Lord be with thee. And they greeted him in return. The Lord bless thee. You know what? That man had a good working relationship with his employees, with his servants. They loved him and he loved them. They loved him because he loved them. And he treated them with kindness. He wasn't a lord over them. And he was blessed. Ephesians 6, 9 says, And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. God's no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter whether you're in a position of leadership, a head of a household, or what it may be, or a manager in a workplace. God's no respecter of persons. So, considered the description of wrath. Secondly, we need to notice, what do we do with it? We're to give it up, or renounce it, or disown it. Notice verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive of meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. He says you're to lay it apart. The word laid apart means to put it off or away, that which anyone gives up. So we need to give it up. We need to give it over to the Lord. We need to renounce it. We need to renounce it. This, I believe, requires two things. And as we consider this passage, two things. The first thing is we have to receive the truth with humility. Again, in verse 21, the end of that verse says, "...and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls." So we have received with meekness the opposite of anger, of course, which is a result of pride, is meekness or humility. Meekness is, is, is you know, uh, really is humility. I thought I have a definition here, but I, I don't see it. Uh, but it is, it, it is a humility, willing to accept the truth. And so we receive that with meekness, at the engrafted word. And that word engrafted is interesting. It means implanted by others' instruction. Thus, the doctrine implanted by your teachers or others by God. You know what? Something that proud people often say is no man is telling me what to do. Do you know how God tells you what you need to do? By another man. He isn't going to holler from heaven. He's given us his word, and we're to give it to those who need it. That's how God God speaks to us. See, God has chosen to reveal himself to men by men, by other men. You know, Acts 10.36 says this. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Now, I read that and I thought of this. Jesus was a man. He still is a man, and his word came by a man, Christ Jesus. But one Corinthians one twenty one says, "For that after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe." So God has ordained that people that are going to be saved are going to be saved through preaching who does that, men? You know, on the day of Pentecost, men spake as God gave them utterance, and people were saved. In Acts chapter 10, you have a man praying to a God he has knowledge of, but really doesn't know. He doesn't have a relationship with him, and God sends a man to tell him about himself. That is about God. And explaining his salvation. In Acts chapter 15. Verse 7 it says. And when there had been much disputing. Peter rose up and said unto them. Men and brethren. You know that how a good while ago. God made choice among us. That the Gentiles by my mouth. Should hear the word of the gospel. And believe. You see. You must be willing to face. And accept the truth. That your sin. Anger. Whatever it is. Is your sin, your fault, your responsibility? You are the one causing the strife and contention in relationships, whether homework or whatever it is, and it is a noose around your neck that is destroying you, and it is God's desire to save you from it. You know, Proverbs 27 3 says this A stone is heavy and sand weighty. Do you ever try to carry a bag of sand? But a fool's wrath is heavier than both. It is a heavy burden to bear that you need to give up if you want to have a walk with god proverbs twenty seven four says wrath is cruel anger is outrageous. but who is able to stand before stand before envy proverbs thirty thirty three Short of the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the ringing of a nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing, the word forcing here means squeezing, or the pressure of wrath bringeth forth strife. In Proverbs 14:17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. You see, the way uh, an angry person works or deals with people is foolish, and no one wants to get close to an angry person. You know, my dad had an anger problem. And anytime time something broke, you know, he expressed that anger when something broke. You know, maybe it was the axle on the baler or some, you know, some piece of equipment. You know what I did? I tried to disappear. I didn't want to stay around. So we need to give it up. And, of course, the first step of that is receive the truth with humility Secondly, we need to repent of it. Verses 22 to 26 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now I believe that verses twenty-two through twenty-six is describing for us a change of mind that includes a change of direction. No longer are you just a hearer; you're also a doer. You're also a doer. In other words you need to be more than just hear it. You need to do something about it. When we hear the truth, we need to act on it. We need to put it away. Repent of our wickedness. Remove it. Cast it out. To not do so is self deception. Whatever the sin may be, to not cast it out when it's brought to our attention is self deception. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, Judas heard every word that the other disciples heard. But he never became a doer of that word. See, to be a hearer and only and not a doer... ...is to think you are something when you are not. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer... ...he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass... For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. So as to look in the mirror and then forget about what you saw or what you are. And verse 26 says, if you can't bridle your tongue, your religion is vain. Now that means, when it says your religion is vain, it means it only exists in appearance or ceremony. In other words, you're just going through the motions. It's not real in your life. You know, when a child of God or a person is confronted with the truth and they don't put it away, or they don't deal with it, they don't react, or they don't respond rightly to it, and just continue on their way, they're just going through the motions. You know, see, we're to lay it apart. We're to repent. Be a doer. Not one that reads, hears, and then forgets about the Lord the rest of the time. I mean, if a person is born again, he has the life of God in him. In the person of the Spirit of God. How do you go all day without thinking about God? That boggles my mind. Even when I know I'm not right, I know I'm not right. Because I'm bothered by it. Because I have the Spirit of God to keeps saying to me or confirming to me bearing with my spirit is you need to get this right. You offended your wife. Now I know you guys never did that. But you know if you have the life of God in you so, we need to repent. We need to be hearing, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And we need to give up and denounce or disown and repent of anger and wrath. Because it does not work the righteousness of God. It is filthy. You know, Proverbs 21:19 says this. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And then Proverbs 24, 22, 24 says this. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. You know, nobody likes to be around anybody that's angry, whether it's a woman or a man. You know, I fear sometimes some men I know don't want to go home because they have to face her. And there are some women that don't want to be home because they have to face him. And the Bible really is telling us leave them to themselves. If they will not change. But God's message to us is. Give it up. Give it to God. Repent of your sin. Whatever it might be. And find deliverance. Through the power. Of God. We have a God that is good. That gives us good gifts. And this sin is not of him. It's of our own. Carnal. Fleshly nature. It's natural. It's of the natural man. And if you're struggling with something like it, it's because you've carried it over from your natural man and you haven't given it to God. Or it could be that your religion is vain, that you've never really been born again, never surrendered your life to him. He says we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Save yourself from the evils of a lack of a right relationship with the Lord. Let's pray.